We're starting John chapter 1. We gave a lengthy introduction last week for the purpose of uh, giving context to who wrote the book, what the purpose of writing the book was. How many of you remember the purpose of the book of John? John chapter 20, verse 31. I write these things unto you that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that in believing you would receive life in his name. Amen? Amen? So the whole purpose of the book of John, from beginning to end, is to show you that Jesus is God. Amen? Uh, the, the Greek word for God in the New Testament, how many of y'all know what it is? I know Kyle does. Put your hand down, Kyle. I already know you know. How many of you know the Greek word for God? God in the New Testament. If nobody knows, I'm going to have Kyle tell you, okay? All right, Kyle, tell them what it is. Theos. And if, you get, if you're a hillbilly like me, I always said Theos, okay? <laughs> Theos. That's probably the correct grammatical pronunciation of that word. T-H-E-O-S. Theos, okay? That's the word for God. And all throughout the New Testament... And especially in the book of John, you see John, at, or you see Jesus as a deity, as Theos, God in the flesh. Amen. Uh, we start in John chapter 1, and I'm only, I know I normally read the whole chapter. I'm not going to do that today, okay? I'm just going to read the three verses that I'm going to have time to preach about, okay? <laughs> so we're going to start. In John 1, 1, and I'm going to read first out of the King's English here. I know it's in a, everybody got their ESV Bible, and they're like, you just told everybody, we just, Shelly's like, we just bought these ESV Bibles, put them in here, and you're going to read King James. Yep. <laughs> John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy that follow us all the days of our life if we are in Christ Lord, I pray that you would give us all eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive your word today, God. Let us rightly divide your word, God, and let us not be ashamed in our present presentation of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me this morning not be me speaking, God, but your word being spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now. I'm going to start with a little caveat that the first 18 verses of this chapter, they call the prologue. And in this prologue, they draw a distinct picture of a specific person in this book. Now, we already know that the whole book was written for what purpose? So that you would know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that Believing in him, you would have life eternal. Amen. So this is the goal 
and it begins with painting a picture of who Jesus is, where Jesus came from, what Jesus is all about. Amen? Uh, reading the ESV has a uh, little note here that I wanted to read to you. It says the prologue or the incarnate word. And I have a, took a, the liberty to tell you what the incarnation means or the word incarnate or incarnation means. The word incarnation, and Mike, in your Bible, if you just turn one page, it tells you all about incarnation. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> the word incarnation simply means became flesh. Okay? We see this in the very first uh, two verses of John. Amen? The word was with him in the beginning. All things were made by him. Right? We find that the word is not only with God, but the word was God. Amen. Later on, we find out that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. Now, the term us, I want you to understand this before we get there. And I'll preach about this uh, probably in two weeks. But the word us, when it says he dwelt among us, John is not saying us. He's saying us as in the people who physically saw Jesus, who physically beheld him. That's another indication of the person who's writing this book was there and saw Christ with his own two eyes. Amen. It says we beheld his glory. Amen. He dwelt among us. Amen. You got to understand the verbiage there. But we're, we're starting out with this incarnation. The incarnate word, in the prologue, John presents Jesus as the eternal, preexistent, now incarnate word. And the one of a kind son of the father who is himself God. God's revelation and redemption in and through Jesus Christ are shown from the culmination of history the history of salvation, which pre uh, previously included God's giving the law through Moses, his dwelling among his people in the tabernacle and in the temple, and then sending the forerunner, John the Baptist. The prologue also introduces many major themes that develop later on in this gospel, such as Jesus is life. Jesus is light. Jesus is the truth. Believers are children of God, the children of God, and the world's rejection of Jesus. All these different things are going to be talked about in this book. I want to deal with one just for a second here where it said believers are children of God. Because I want to clear a misconception up, and this has absolutely nothing to do with John, okay? But this misconception is we're all children of God, like everybody on the planet. How many of you hear people say that all the time? Well, we're all children of God. No, we're not. We're all made in God's image and God's likeness, but that is not what constitutes being a child of God. 
a child of God, you see in John 1, it says, And to all those who believe in him gave he the power to become the sons of God. A child of God is a, is a person who believes in Jesus Christ. That's a child of God. A born-again person is a child of God. Not every human being on the planet is a child of God. So please get your uh, the biblical understanding, at least, of these terms uh, straightened out. Because not everybody is a child of God. Amen. Not everybody has been made by God. And every human being bears the image and the likeness of God. Okay? But that does not make them born again, nor does it make them children of God. That's right. That's right. There's far more people who are not children of God than there are that are. Amen. Now, that could change, and God could, you know, depending on whatever eschatology you got, you could go right into most people getting saved, okay? Now, I don't know that I believe that way, but, you know, you can be optimistic if you want, okay? I won't stop you, okay? Oh, I know. We talked about that sun, uh, Saturday some. Yeah. Right, right. And one, and we have to be careful to not become so religious that we think we got it all figured out and end up being Pharisees in the end anyway. Right. Amen. Come on. Let's be, be we gotta be right about it, right? We so we don't stand on our opinion, we stand on the word of God. And the word of God does not teach that every person on the planet is a child of God. It teaches that those who believe are children of God. Amen. So I wanted to deal with that first because we will be talking about this later on in this chapter. Amen. That's definitely a subject that gets brought up in this chapter. Uh, the, the deity of Christ is talked about in this book. And I found an article and I wanted to read it to you. Uh, the Reformation Study Bible has an article in it. It's about two, two three paragraphs. And it says this. Faith in the deity of Christ is necessary to being a Christian. It is an essential part of the New Testament gospel of Christ. Yet in every century, the church has been forced to deal with people who claim to be Christians while denying or distorting the deity of Christ. At the Council of Nicaea in AD 325, the church uh, the church in opposition to the Arian heresy declared that Jesus is begotten not made and that he di his divine nature is the same essence or homogeneous how you say that Kyle I know you know how homo osuous yeah that word yeah that one uh, with the father this affirmation declared that the second person of the Trinity is in essence one is in one es, is is one in essence with the Father. That is being that is the being of Christ is the being of God. He is not merely similar 
to God. He is God. Amen. The confession of deity, that word deity, if you don't know, that just means God. Okay, so don't get confused by the word deity. It's just a fancy word for God, okay? It's like theos. It's, you know, it's just a fancy way of saying God, okay? The confession that Jesus is Christ or God is drawn from the manifold witness of the New Testament. As the logos, now anybody know what the logos is? The word. That's what the, we start John with. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, logos, the spoken language, a saying, a telling. That's what the word logos means, okay? Speech, word. That's the simple definition, word. That's the very last one on there, and it's the more probable definition of that word in that context. In the beginning was the word, okay? Uh, as the Logos incarnate, or the word made flesh, Christ is revealed as being not only preexistent to creation, but eternal. He is said to be in the beginning with God, and he is also said to be God. Amen? He that is with God demands a personal distinction between God, between the Godhead. That he is God demands an inclusion of himself into the Godhead. Elsewhere in the New Testament describes terms and titles to Jesus that are certainly titles of a deity. God bestows preeminent divine titles to the Lord upon him. He says, he is the son of man. Jesus claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath, to have authority to forgive sin. Uh, he is called the Lord of glory and willing to receive and willingly receives worship. As when Thomas confesses to him, my Lord and my God, Paul declares that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily and that Jesus is higher than angels as some people say, that he's just an angel. You know, there's a heresy out there that teaches that Jesus is just like one of the angels. No, he's God. Amen? <clears throat> Where'd I leave off? Higher than the angels, a theme reiterated in the book of Hebrews. To worship an angel or any other creature, no matter how exalted, is to violate the biblical prohibition against idolatry. Remember where that is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Amen. That's the first commandment, right? The I am's of the gospel of John also bear witness to the identification of Christ with deity. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I have one more paragraph. Don't need to read it. It's not important enough to keep going. The identity of Jesus throughout this book, over and over in the book of John, you will see him he says none of this in Mark's gospel. He doesn't say this in Luke's gospel or Matthew's. But over and over he says, I am, I am, I am in the book of John. There's at least seven distinct I am references in the book of John that you can look at where Jesus is declaring to you, I am God. Amen. Like when he said, I and the Father are one and the same. Do you know what they did when he picked up, when, they, when he said that? They picked up stones and sought to stone him. 
Every instance in the book of John when Jesus makes an I am statement, they want to kill him. Every time. Why? Well, people go, well, he wasn't, gee, Jesus never claimed that he was God. Yes, he did. That's the whole reason they wanted to stone him was because he was making himself equal with God. And where do I get that information? From the book of John. Those exact words are said there. John explains they picked up stones to stone him because they said he makes himself equal with God. That was their own words. The people that wanted to stone him. Amen. So from the very inception of this gospel, we see some uh, uh, some fabulous claims by Jesus and John about Jesus being God. Amen. I want to do something with you. Remind you about this word, how the word became flesh was foretold. Amen. Anybody remember where that's at? Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Let's go there real quick. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. I love this because I had people question me about this before and say, well, how do we know this is talking about Jesus? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. But when we read it, you may have the same question. Uh, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, how many of you know what the word Emmanuel means? God with us. Amen. And you go, well, how do you know that's about Jesus, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that question. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1. Yeah. Go to Matthew chapter 1. It says it right there in, in Isaiah. But it doesn't say it's talking about Jesus. So how do we as Christians tie this prophecy to Jesus? Well, there was lots of people in the Near East and other cultures that claimed to be, okay? So, so that's not unheard of that people would hear somebody make that claim, okay? So I want to dismiss the idea that the, that the reason they're saying this and the reason that we need to prove it is not so obvious. It isn't that obvious because there was Near East cultures, Babylon, uh, uh, the Canaanites, all had tales of virgin births, okay? None of those were substantiated. None of those were proven. Ours, on fact, was. That's why it's important to prove how we tie this to Mary and Jesus. Amen? That's the importance of apologetically being able to disprove other people's viewpoint with the truth. Amen? That's why it's important. Now watch this. Matthew chapter 1. Now this is Matthew, the tax collector, right? Jesus' disciple. Okay? Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 21. <clears throat> Well, if I don't turn past it, I will. 
and he shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now watch this. This is the this is the angel, right? Talking to who? Joseph, right? This is the angel of the Lord that appeared to Joseph, told him, Hey, you're gonna call his name Jesus. Now, when this was done, that it now all this was done. This is Matthew writing now, okay? This is Matthew's writing. He said, Now when all of this was done, it was done that it might fulfill that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means or is interpreted God with us. So we have here a first, very first, one of the very first followers of Jesus Christ who gives you the meaning of Jesus's virgin birth, the, the, the importance of Emmanuel, God being with us. And then John in his prologue gives you this, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God and the word became flesh or incarnate. Amen. And that's where we get that term incarnate. Okay. That's why we use it. The word became flesh or in other words, God became flesh or fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 7, 14. Amen. That's why it's important for us because all of those other claims of virgin birth were never proven, but we have proof. Amen. Next thing I want you to notice, and, I, and I, this was all before I even expounded upon verse 1, okay? I'm starting verse 1 now. Is everybody ready? That was all. I hadn't even started verse 1 yet, okay? Literally, I have not even started verse 1. So, looking at the actual text, in the beginning, in the beginning, this speaks of the word being preexistent or always existing. Amen? eternally existed. The word never was, there never was a time when Jesus did not exist. Huh? That, yeah, no beginning. There, Jesus came to this earth and put on flesh, but Jesus existed before he ever put on that flesh. Jesus says things like this in the book of John. He said, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had when I was with you in the beginning. Amen? Why is he saying that? Because he existed before he came to this earth. He existed, and we find that out in this chapter, right? Get way ahead of me here. Get way ahead of me here. But we do, we find that out in this chapter. Not only was everything was made by him, nothing was made that was made without him. Amen? So here's what I need you to wrap your mind around. The little baby that was laying in a manger was the same one that said, let there be light. Let that sink in. The word became flesh. We're going to find out in Genesis, 
Because Genesis and John in this aspect, especially the first chapter, are very much tied. Because in the very beginning, God didn't go around and, 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 and physically with his hands hang stars and moons and lights. He spoke. Logos. He spoke. The word of God will not return void. And the word of God that came and dwelt among us and put on flesh did not leave defeated. He left victorious and accomplished the purpose for which he was sent. Guaranteed. There's a lot of people that kind of act like God is kind of mysteriously just a bystander in salvation. But God is absolutely involved. In saving human beings souls why because he spoke it and it's got to happen amen we see here in the beginning the word the logos if you want to look it up in your strong's concordance when you go home Mike the Greek word is three zero five six it means something that is said reasoning communication speech talk a thing uttered, an utterance, or a word. Amen? Very important. Go with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to do this tonight, and I know some of you won't be here, so I'm going to give you just a little tidbit here of Genesis chapter 1. Just for a second, because it's applicable to John 1 and 1. And you'll notice the same starting statement. In the beginning, God. We can hold on, Pastor. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Yes, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's not different, it's the same beginning. In the beginning, God. Now this word, if you want to know what this word here is, the word for God, there's many different words in the Hebrew language that can mean God. There's Yahweh, okay, there's Adonai, there's uh, uh, Jehovah, which is the same as Yahweh, okay. Yahweh is just the Hebrew of uh, uh, Jehovah. That's our English translation of Yahovah, okay, Yahweh same thing okay it's the same word if you look up the if you look up the hebrew of it it'll give you the tetragrammaton just for that word jehovah interestingly enough we've been told that that's what god was saying when he said i am but that's not the same word when he says i am the word i am is yah is hayah ha ha yaha okay h a y a h ha yaha Okay, and it almost looks like the tetragrammaton, except it's got a big X in front of it that's silent, and then it only has a little yod, and that's it in the middle. Doesn't have the W; it has just a little yod. It has an H, the yod, and another H. Not the same word. So people just say, "Well, he's telling him his name right there." Couldn't possibly be telling him his name because they name him Yahweh or Jehovah later on. Amen. 
So there's a lot of Hebrew that you can go through right there. But the Hebrew word right here and the Hebrew word that's used most often in the Old Testament other than Yahweh is Elohim. The word Elohim means the supreme God or the living God. Okay? That's what the word Elohim means. It'll be, it means the supreme God or the living God. That's the rough translation of the word Elohim. Amen? So right here, the supreme God is who's being spoken of. The supreme God or the one and only God. Because all throughout Genesis and all throughout the Bible, God is seen as one God. Amen? Right here he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, the part I want to focus on is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you flip back to the John, you'll see what I'm talking about. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. Now, in Genesis, we have a tendency to think of who? Yahweh, right? God. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? What John is trying to do in John 1 is get you to see that this Jesus is that God. This Jesus is the one who flung the stars into the velvet of the night. This Jesus is the one that said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the same God that said, let the waters be separated, the waters above and the waters beneath. Let dry ground appear. Let animals come forth from the earth. Let the birds and the uh, swarming uh, insects come up from the waters. It was Jesus at the beginning. Nothing was made without him. He is God. God, this declaration in the first chapter, the first verse of John 1 and 1 is declaring to you that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. It's the whole purpose. The whole purpose of the book is so that you see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Amen? And he starts out throwing haymakers. <laughs> He starts out throwing haymakers, just bombs, okay? Because this would be a big deal if you're a Jew living in the first century. And you, you, go, to this, you go to the synagogue one day and some preacher's in there preaching that this Jesus is the I Am. This Jesus is the Elohim. This Yeshua is Yahweh. El Elyon. This Jesus is that God. That would have been a very big deal to them. Amen? And I think it ought to be a big deal to you. In Genesis 1, I wanted to note a few terms that I saw all throughout the first chapter of Genesis. You'll see this. God said, God said, God said, God said. Every day, God says, and then every night, God says, uh, the evening and the morning. 
That's how the whole discourse goes for every day. It says God says, and then God made, and then God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning. That's a pattern all throughout the first chapter of Genesis. God saw, God called, God made, God set, God created, God blessed. All throughout the first chapter of Genesis. So when we're reading John 1, I want you to be thinking about this. Amen? I want you to be thinking that the same God that did the things in Genesis 1 is the same God that we're talking about in John 1. Amen? Not a different God, not some new thing. This is the same pre-existent God that always was. Amen? I made it through a whole page. Woo! Number two. I'm going to go back to number one real quick. Hold on. I want to deal with this pre-existing thing just a little more. Because we have this idea because Jesus came and put flesh on that somehow Jesus started existing right then. Because he put flesh on. Now I want to ask you a question. How could he be sent from heaven if he didn't already exist before he was sent from heaven? Okay, just a simple thought. I'm a simple man with simple thoughts, and I read stuff a lot that's way over my head, way over my pay grade, uh, but this is pretty true. There, nobody can be sent unless they actually existed beforehand. Amen. Exactly. Yes, he did. I want, I want to reiterate this Genesis 1. He said, in the beginning, God. Before anything was ever made, before anything was ever spoken into existence, God existed eternally. And John's telling you that this God that existed eternally is this Christ that came to save you. Amen? Number two. Okay, I'm finally going to number two. The Word was God. The word was, he didn't just, in the beginning was the word. So that ain't no big deal. The word was with God. This word being with God is important because it's showing you a distinction that although God is one, there's still a father and a son and a Holy Spirit. There's a Godhead. There's a trinity. There's a triune being in God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but... Uh, <clears throat> I am not my wife, but the two are one flesh. Amen? Now, it's deeper than that with God. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. There is not three separate gods and one that make up one crazy amalgamation of something or other. They all three are one. They are all three one. Jesus said, I and the Father are the same. Amen? I want to read you a couple notes here. Uh, number one, I have a note right here in the ESV. It says, in the beginning, the word echoes the opening phrase of the book of Genesis. In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. John will so identify the word as Jesus, but here he locates Jesus' existence in eternity past with God. 
The term word or logos conveys the notion of divine self-expression or speech. It has a rich Old Testament background to this word. God's word is effective. God speaks. Things come to pass. Genesis 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 3, verse 9, verse 15 and 1. Uh, John also shows that this concept of the word is superior to a Greek philosophical concept of a word or a logos as it is Im, uh, impersonal, uh, it is more than an impersonable principle of reason that gave order to the universe. The word was with God indicates an interpersonal relationship with God. That means there's a relationship with God that we don't have. We are saved and we're welcomed into the family of God. Amen. We're in Christ, but we're not in Christ like Christ is in the Father. Not in the same way. Because he is the Father. Amen? He said, I and the Father are one, right? The Spirit, the Son, and the Father are one. Now, they welcome us in, but we're not in them like they're in each other. Amen? There's a difference in that. Amen. Number one, I'm not God or a God. They are all God and one God. That's a hard concept to wrap your mind around. I had a class one time and they asked me to explain the Trinity. <laughs> that's my first reaction when I saw the homework assignment. That I had to write a four-page paper and explain the unexplainable. Okay? I don't know how it all works, Kyle. I, I know that there's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit, and I know they're one God, and I know that these three are one God, but to, to actually put vocabulary to how that works is beyond me. Amen? I can give you my, my backwoods, Cockerville, Kansas, country bumpkin idea about how it works, but to, to act like I know exactly how it works would be a lie on my part. Amen? We know that they are same in essence. We know that they are same in, in deity. But there's, somehow there's three. <laughs> now, go home and try to explain that to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's, there's a few verses in the Bible that would back that up. That the... The difference is our three parts are still us. And we only have one personality unless you need medication. And then, you know. <clears throat> so we're not serving a God that just has split personalities or anything like that. There's three distinct persons, but they are one. Amen. John's declaring this when he says he was in the beginning with God. Amen. But then, and the word was God. Amen? It doesn't stop at the word was with God. He says the word was God. Now there's a small little note here I want to read out of this uh, Reformation Study Bible in John 1 and 1. The third paragraph says this. The word was with God indicates a distinction of persons within the unity of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
are not successive forms of appearance of one person, but are, inter, uh, are eternal persons present from the beginning, with suggests a relationship of close personal intimacy, and then we understand this is uh, showing that the son, remember throughout the book of John it says the father loves the son, the son loves the father, father loves, amen? Shows interpersonal relationship. When he says with, he's trying to tell you not just that God's there, but this Jesus was with God. And not only is this Jesus, was he with God? Jesus was God. Amen? This whole verse, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. This is declaring straightforward. That he, the word, which is who? Christ is God. Amen? Why else would he be comparing Genesis 1-1? Why would he be taking the same terminology in the beginning was God and then turn around saying in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So in other words, John 1 and 1 says what? In the beginning was God. That's what he's saying. And he's also telling you this Jesus is God all at the same time. See the dynamics that go into just one verse when we take it in context and understand why the writer's writing what he's writing. John's writing this, first of all, so that you know that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. So his whole purpose in opening this letter this way is to get you to understand who Jesus is from the very beginning of your understanding. The understanding cannot be Jesus is just a, some uh, nice little prophet or he's a great guy, a nice man who did good things. He was just a man who lived a perfect life. He's not. He's God in the flesh. This is the declaration from the beginning of John 1 and 1 that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God. Amen. Second verse. Finally made it. The word begins to give, uh, the word begins to be given an identity by John. Notice he says, <clears throat> verse 2, he, he was in the beginning with God. You see that? So now he's telling you something about the person he's writing about. He hadn't even said Jesus' name yet. This is the prologue. It's a buildup to the whole story. And then we go right into John the Baptist who comes and testifies about Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah. Amen? This is the buildup. And he's wanting you to see it now. He's building you up. Who is this he? Who's this he he's talking about? Well, you'll find out at the last part of this chapter when Jesus Gets baptized, comes into the scene, and John testifies of who Jesus is. You find out immediately, John 1 and 1 is talking about Jesus. But right here, he's giving you a little hint. He was in the beginning with God. Amen? We've already talked about what the implications of him being with God or was God is. 
meaning he had a relationship with the Father. Obviously, Jesus had a relationship with the Father in, in a special way that any of us could ever have. He's the only begotten of the Father, the pre-incarnate Son of God, who was always with God from the beginning, and all things were made by him. Amen? All those things, we didn't do that, right? You weren't in the beginning with God. I mean, I know some of y'all feel old, okay? But I know you ain't that old, okay? I know you don't go back to the beginning time kind of old. I know you don't go back before the beginning of the world old, okay? I feel pretty old at 41, okay? But I am not that old, amen? So none of us can have that same relationship with God the Father that Christ has. Why? Because we're not God, and we are not part of the Godhead. Amen? Irregardless of what some false teachers teach that we're little gods, they're liars. Amen? I know you don't like, people don't like pastors standing behind pulpits telling people they're liars. <laughs> Doesn't say, that's just not nice. Tough. Somebody has to say it, okay? And I just got enough gumption that I'll tell somebody they're lying when they're lying, okay? They're liars. We are not little gods. We are made in God's image, and we are saved by grace and brought into the family of God, and we're sons of God. Doesn't mean we are the son of God. Amen. Amen. There's one son of God. Now we are seeing the word is a person. John has in mind to tell us about this person. And we know from John 20 and 31 who he's talking about, right? Because he wrote the whole thing to tell us about Jesus. Amen. Here again we see he with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him, or the ESV says through him. Amen. Nothing was ever made apart from him. That's what you need to wrap your mind around. The same dirt that Jesus got made from, Jesus spoke into existence. The same dirt that God formed man from the dust of the earth with, Jesus spoke into existence. Amen? Number three. Number three, I'm going to read a, another little note here. All things include the whole universe, indicating that except for God, everything exists, everything that exists was created, and that except for God, nothing has existed eternally. Made through him follows the constant pattern of scripture saying that God the Father carried out his creative work through the activity of the Son. This, this verse disproves any suggestion that the Word or the Son in John 1 and 14 was created. There are people out there that try to teach that Jesus was a created being, like an angel. We talked about that a minute ago. But Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is God. And existed before anything else existed. Amen. That's why he used the term. In the beginning was 
the word. He's associating that with God. In the beginning was God. Before anything was made, nothing was made without him, right? He clears that up in that third verse, amen? He says, he says, uh, verse three, all things were made through him. Now, uh, everybody tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, all things. All things, not some things, not not a little bit, but all things. All things were made through Christ. Get that through your head. This is not just a man. I'm sorry. I'm just a man. Watch this. Hey, I want to make a brand new planet right now. Nothing happened. Fill this cup up right now. Well, it didn't happen. Notebook floating there. I am not God. Amen. You are not God. Amen. We don't make anything. Amen. God, except the mess. You're right on that one. You are right on that one. We don't make nothing except the mess. We ain't God. We need to understand that He makes all things so when verses like this come to your mind he works all things out according to the counsel of his own will god doesn't ask you god's not entitled to ask you god's not obligated to ask you or to take counsel from you why would god take counsel from you you don't know how to tie your shoe right half the time and you want to think you can tell God how things ought to work? I remember a guy named Job. Now I know you was taught when you was growing up, Job never sinned or Job never did anything and I know the Bible counts him as righteous, right? But Job repented in dust and ashes. Job said, surely I've spoken about things that I knew not Surely I have raised my voice against God who I have no understanding to meet. And he repented in dust and ashes. If he didn't sin, why did he repent? Because we can get so arrogant that we think God should listen to us. And that's what Job was doing. If you go and listen to Job talk, Job was bringing questions and accusations to the Almighty. How do I know that? Because God looked at Job. When God finally started talking to Job again, he said, Who art thou to question the Almighty? Where were you when I hung the stars in the heavens? Where were you when I put the sea as a boundary for the land that it should not go past it? Where were you at, Job? And why do you question me? It's exactly what was going on in the book of Job. Job was laying accusations. God, why are you allowing this to me? Why would you do this to me? I'm an upright and righteous man. I'm following your ways and blah, 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 blah. And that's us making our case before heaven. Understanding that our sinfulness is going to keep us out no matter what. And uh, all but for the grace of God, I'll go to hell. 
But we make our case, God, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not as bad as that person. And you've seen this work and my other good thing. And all I hear is Jesus saying, there will be many in those days who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? Did we not do that in your name? And he'll look at them and say, I never knew you. The goal of John is not so that you know facts. The goal of John is that you know Christ. Amen. That you know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing in him, you will have life in his name. That's the goal. Our goal is not a new uh, fancy way of doing stuff to earn heaven. Our goal is to believe in Jesus Christ who loved us gave himself for us, rose from the dead to justify us, and all we have to do is believe in the one and only Son of God. John 3 and 18. This is the condemnation that goes in the world. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Man. John 1, 2, and 3. I don't know if I'm ready for the rest of this chapter. <laughs> I just I don't know if I'm ready for the rest of the chapter because I don't know if I can handle all of this. And in we got I went through three. I got 15 more verses of this prologue. Okay, I'm gonna give you a preview of the next three verses. Okay, just a preview of the next three verses. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Or the King James says, the darkness comprehends it not. Right? Therefore was a man sent from God whose name was John. I'm going to stop right there. Now we're, there's a, I could, I could preach a whole other sermon on just those three verses. Because there's light, and life, and light, uh, life coming from light. Right? Light shining in the darkness and the darkness not comprehending it or overcoming it. And then there comes John the, John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord. I could preach a whole sermon just on John the Baptist. But just that one verse about John the Baptist, I could preach a whole sermon on that. What did John come to do? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And when they asked him if he was the Christ, he said, I've told you before, there's one coming after me, that I'm not worthy to even unloose his sandals. I'm not the Christ. He who comes after me is greater than me. Amen? Preach a whole sermon on John. I didn't even have notes for that. Wouldn't even mean none. This first chapter I titled in the beginning because I want you in your thinking about who Jesus is this is where you should begin every time who is Jesus he's the word of God made flesh he's the pre-existent eternally existent son of God God in the flesh who is the alpha and the omega the first and the last he is the, the, the great I am he is Yahweh God. Amen? That's what we need to understand. So our first thoughts are the genesis of our thoughts about Jesus 
should be reflected in these three verses. That should be how we view Christ. Not as just a man, not as just a prophet, but as the Son of God, God in the flesh. Amen. What's the name Jesus mean? We read it in Matthew. It says that he will save his people from his sin. Do you know what the word Jesus actually means? God is Savior. Same, same meaning for the word. In, 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 in Hebrew, the word is not Jesus like we pronounce it. Yahshua is the same as Joshua. I know that's a hard one for y'all to get. <laughs> but that word, Yahshua, means God is Savior. Amen? Let's stand to our feet in this auditorium. I pray that today this message will bless you in your understanding of putting Christ in the right perspective. Amen? Because the whole book of John will come into perspective if we start off on the right foot. Just like the whole book of Genesis and the whole rest of the gospel, the whole rest of the Bible comes into uh, total focus when you see God for who he is in Genesis 1. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I ask that you would help each and every one of us, God, as we... Uh, wrestle in our own heart and our own mind with reading your word and believing your word God pray that you would help us God that you would uplift us and sustain us Lord that you would give us understanding of your word God that we would that we would be able to see Jesus for who he truly is God in the flesh Lord we pray that you would help those who are going to watch the, the the podcast or listen to the podcast and watch the the YouTube video, God, pray that this message would bless them, that it would open their eyes, Lord. I pray that you would use it to reach into their hearts, Lord, and, and, and give them a, a, a nugget of truth, Lord, that your spirit can use to open their eyes to who Jesus is, that he is not just a man, not just a prophet, but God in the flesh. Lord, I pray that you would help those who watch it. To come to faith in Christ. Lord, if there be anybody in this room who doesn't know you, God, I pray that today, right now, Lord, their heart being drawn and fashioned after you by the Spirit of God, Lord, drawn to you, that they would repent and believe the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners just like them. Lord, we ask that you would bless the food that we're about to receive to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies for your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.